0: gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Sends and Suffers podcast. I am your host, Mario Stanley, and happy new year. Welcome to 2021. In this new year, we want to bring some new things to you. And new news, Tension Climbing is one of our new official sponsors of Sends and Suffers podcast. Now, you're like, Mario, what does that even mean? Well, if you're a member of the Sticker Club, it means a lot. So being a member, you get a couple cool things. One, you get stickers from me every month of my guests that have been on the show. You guys get to stick them everywhere. Just show that sense and suffers love. Two, in our bi-monthly stickerization raffle, where you become a sticker, you get gear from beyond clothing and tension climbing. You're going to be able to train and look fly all at the same time, play boy, play girls. Boom. So it can't get any better than that. And then you get some occasional love letters from me and some past guests, but we won't talk about those. Now to introduce my guest today, Chris Hampton, the Dr. Dre of rock climbing and climbing podcast. Yes, I did say that. Yes, it's a bold statement. No, I was not the first one to say it. Devin, this conversation means a lot to me because being a self-made coach for most of my career, it's really nice to know that this is kind of how it starts because when you're out there, you're just kind of in the ocean and you feel like you're kind of lost and by yourself and no one else is doing it. It was just so validating to hear that, you know, bro, this is kind of how it works a little bit and things are getting better and there's more opportunities and you're a part of that. And you're most importantly, not alone. So I hope you guys get as much from this conversation as I do. I'll catch you on the other side. Uh, boom. Okay feel so weird now this is like the tables have turned a little bit (laughs) i feel like i feel like a little nervous i'm not gonna lie but it's okay Mm. that's how i feel at the beginning of every one of them so uh, good i'm happy to know that like i've definitely been like of the mindset like i want to record more conversations than less but at the same time i also feel like i need to be way more prepared or not as much of a shit show Mm. for showing it up and then I forget whose podcast I listen to, but one person was anytime I'm going to interview with someone, they're like, I just show up and just see what happens.
1: Yeah. I so. do that a lot. Um, you know, if it's, if somebody I think is interesting, I'm like, Hey, let's just turn on the mics and Fair enough. sit down and talk and see what happens. You know, okay. it might be something really cool. That was the interview with Devin was entirely that. Okay. We were talking the night before at an after party from the soil showdown and I was like, I'll come to your hotel room tomorrow morning. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll talk and I show up all bright and early and we're both very tired. And, and then it just became a cool conversation.
0: Yeah. So. He said that is exactly how it happened. Mm-hmm. he was like, I was like, I needed to know, I thought I needed to prepare, but then like he was ready and then we just like, <laughs> just kind of went right into it. And yeah, then it happened. Yeah. So, well, thank you for being on my show. Send yeah, the man, suffers. happy so- to. I'm super excited to be working with you and I will say for those of my audience who do not know you, I'll use as Devin described you, this is the Dr. Dre of all things rock climbing and podcast. The first time I saw him describe
1: me that way was in an article, I think, um, might've been on Outdoor Research's blog or REI. I think it was REI. Okay. And he mentioned that I was the Dr. Dre to his m M&M, and I was like, what? <laughs> this is one of the coolest compliments I've ever gotten. I
0: think mm-hmm. it's very true, man. I mean, you know, Dr. Dre, you know, rags the riches. He's basically done a little bit of everything. I mean, you trad climb, multi-pitch. Now you're mainly bouldering. Done a little bit of off with You've emceed massive comps. I've done too much off with. Let's, let's say that. Is that really, is it really (laughs) such a thing? Oh, there's such a thing. (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. I have not gotten to that point. Like, I feel like that's saying like you've reached the end of Netflix, which is not a thing. (laughs) I, I sheepishly, I feel bad saying this. Like I, I know, I know so much of you. I realized, you know, on during this trip that like about you and your history, I haven't known that much, Mm -hmm. you know, and I say that, like, I feel like I really should have like studied and dug deep into that and known that before, but also to, I don't know, it kind of robs the fun out of it for me sometimes.
1: Yeah, totally. That's yeah. how I feel about it too. Like I, I, I like to know enough to start the conversation and then I would rather learn a
0: lot of it on the way. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So, uh, so today what mm-hmm. I actually kind of wanted to talk to you about is, Uh, And we briefly touched on it before, but, and this is kind of a continuation of a conversation that Devin and I had. Everyone out there probably knows I've mentioned his name so much, but thank you for posting his podcast because through your podcast and RJ, that introduction has been one of the best things ever for me. Yeah, he's he's a rad human being. Yeah. Um, But him (laughs) and I talked about just being self-coached climbers and like self-taught coaches. And like, (laughs) you know, he was like, in his situation, it was very much like, you know, my coach went up to me, my boss is like, you've got these athletes to train for the next year, figure it out, you know? And for me, it was very much like my boss is like, here's a program, I want you to run it, right? What am I allowed to do? Just do whatever you need to do and figure it out, you know? And if it's not right, I'll tell you. You know, that's kind of like, I think for Devin and myself, it worked out really well because Devin being a rapper, you just, and you understand this yourself being one, like you just kind of have to be on the grind. You kind of just have to figure it out and just kind of have to move forward. And I think my uh, Jamaican roots, anyone who is true Jamaican or has Jamaican family members know, like we'll just work ourselves into the grave and we'll work Mm -hmm. ourselves until we figure it out. And I think that tenacity is what helped me, but I don't think it's always been very effective. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of stuff I should have known or a lot of bumps along the way that were unnecessary. And so what I guess what I really want, I want to ask you or like, what was your kind of like experience? And I know you are kind of in the same boat. You've just been had it a decade and a half longer. So like, what are the things or what were like kind of the pivotal moments that you noticed? Oh, I'm actually, I kind of have an idea. I, I actually know what I'm doing or I actually like have, you know.
1: Well, I mean, the whole thing started as a super selfish thing for me like i just wanted to i had coached other sports Mm -hmm. um mostly gymnastics and realized i wanted to be a better climber and to be a better climber i needed psyched partners so i was like i was building a crew basically like i i want these people around me yeah i want to help build them up so that I can be successful, you know, and, and they can be successful as well, but I need this crew for my motivation. I need partners when I'm outside. And I, the thing that I didn't realize was going to happen, that was kind of a a, a turning point for me was I got just as excited about their successes as I did about my own.
0: Yeah, very
1: selfish in the beginning. And then I just remember those like, Oh, you just did this thing. And that that gave me the same feelings as when yes. I did my thing,
0: you know? Do you ever like either in a gym or in a crag? Like, and I know me as a coach with kids, I'm like kind of with them between adults and kids. Sometimes I find myself like watching in the gym, getting or at a crag, getting way, 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 way too excited. And oh, people yeah. are just looking at me and I'm like rubbing my hands, and people are like, you act like you're climbing the route. And I'm like, I I was like, I might as well be because like I can feel to me, I feel like I can feel everything that's going on with them in that moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the best things about climbing in general is just being able to mirror that person's experience. You know, you, you've been there, you felt it, maybe not on that route. Maybe you climb harder. Maybe you don't climb as hard, but, but the struggle still feels the same emotionally. Uh, and, you know, you understand that, like, are there doubts coming in? How do I need to push those out? I need to keep trying hard. You know, it's this, this constant battle and we all get to live it. So I love that part of it.
0: I find it really interesting that you said that because I've always said that myself, like I don't have enough climbing partners. So I need to make the people I need to make climbing partners be the way I want them to be. And I don't think that's a common theme and I think that you have to be that way in order to segue into coaching.
1: I think it's one of the the biggest struggles that I find with my clients now and over the last bunch of years is that they're super motivated but they don't have other people around them who are super motivated so they have a hard time getting out to do the things. If it's just them in the gym, they're dedicated they're on it they will Mm -hmm. follow the program they communicate a ton they they do all the things and then when it's time to go outside they can't find partners
0: do you feel like so i definitely have run into the issue of like i've had friends say like i don't want to teach people i just want to climb and i just want to have climbing partners Mm. and i feel (sighs) like you you either can't be that way or you were lucky enough to be that way. Like you were lucky enough to like come up through team or come up with a squad. But I think that's something that like people in general don't take advantage of. And I've said this before, but I think mentorship is slightly either being morphed or slightly dying in certain ways of climbing and especially in the gyms. And so, yeah, that's interesting that you say that it actually makes me really excited because like that just kind of tells me a lot about you. I
1: think, you know, this is something I've struggled with a bit, actually, because I am someone who takes people under my wing and tries to, you know, give them the philosophies and the ethics that I've learned and to give them the tools to figure it out for themselves, essentially. And one thing I do see that I've seen derail a lot of climbers is that. They want to take people out and teach them, but it's not, it's not for a re for, you know, it doesn't come from a place that seems genuine. It comes more from ego. Like I want to, I want to be the expert.
0: They want to be the guy or the girl. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And that ends up derailing lots of people's climbing seasons because they spend all this time being the expert instead of just helping nudging, showing you the direction and they have to do everything for that person. You, you might know? as well be a guide at that point. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. And yeah, hey, I, so I think that's a common problem. And I think you've even said this, uh, like, I want to segueing off to something different, but like, that also brings up the common problem of like, you have groups that all climb the same grade and no mm. one will budge out because the one person who is the expert is too busy guiding in the group and not getting a chance to push or break barriers. And even seeing like, cause if there's one person in a group that starts breaking barriers, usually in my experience, the whole group starts to do it very yep. shortly thereafter. So like, so, okay. So you started making your own climbing partners and this is kind of where that sounds so,
1: <laughs> sounds so funny when it's said that way, you start yeah. making your own climbing partners. I mean, so I think it's great. What was happening? Yeah. yeah.
0: I think it was great. It's like, you know, it's like, nope, this isn't working. This isn't working. Okay. I like, what is more important to me getting outside and climbing? All right. I'm going to help you be as psyched as I am. Mm-hmm. So I think it's amazing. Uh, when was the crossover to, I guess, start professionally, like, when <clears throat> did you start accepting money for coaching? I guess that's really kind of like the deal. And like, what was the trigger for the doing that? Cause I know for me, it was a very, it was a hard hurdle for me to do because I had mm. so much insecurity about it for me it was
1: it wasn't out of necessity that's not the that's not the right word but it was a purely practical thing for me mm-hmm. um I knew my I was in living in Cincinnati at the time I had been writing the power company blog for f- six years or something at that point point and it had gotten a following and i had written training plans for people and this one winter i just made the made the comment on my blog that i had written some training plans for my friends and i got flooded with people saying can you help me write a training program <clears throat> so that winter i wrote 40 training plans just as a word doc It's a lot sent them out and then I would get on the telephone with people and it would be minimum hour conversation explaining the training plan. So I spent 40 hours on the phone with people I didn't know. And then I just never communicate with them again. Like you just send them off with the plan and they're gone, you know? And I didn't like that. I knew there was a better way. And it just so happened that that winter, my, I blew my shoulder up. And I was getting paid to sit on workers comp and I knew we were going to be moving to Lander, Wyoming Mm -hmm. and I was going to be leaving my mural painting career behind. And I was like, well, I need a way to cobble together a living once I'm in Lander. You know, I figure I can go to Jackson and paint some murals. I can maybe sell some paintings in galleries and I can coach some climbers. You know, these will be my, the way I'm going to cobble together these things. And so I had this time that I was being paid to sit on the couch basically. So I had time to figure out how to build the website and how to, you know, better deliver training plans through the app and, you know, make it a more efficient process for me and a better experience that I could continue to communicate with the people I was working with. That makes sense. And As soon as I announced it, it was, it was very clear that I needed to put some real time and energy behind it. And the day I went back to work after my workers comp was over, I put in my two weeks notice. Uh, Okay. So it was just a, it was a practical thing. I thought it was going to be a few hours a week. I made the comment uh, to the woman who was helping me organize things at the time, I said, "I'll never need a, I'll never need more than fifteen spaces in this app. I'll, there will never be a time when I have more than fifteen clients, and now there are over fifteen hundred in there. So, oh. wow, yeah. What program do
0: you use? If you don't mind me asking,
1: it's called Trainer Eyes. It's just it's built on like a fitness app yep. platform, and we've just modeled it to fit our needs okay i'm familiar with it
0: there's a couple of those out there Mm -hmm. so now hopefully people who are listening to this and if anybody is you know if you guys have uh questions or ideas or anything that you know you guys are in the same boat or you're in a local climbing community and inadvertently you are kind of like the person that people are going to Uh, I would love you guys' questions and I would love to do like a follow-up later on with you guys. So I just Um, want to throw that out there, but everything I'm throwing out there now is from my own experience. And so I guess like, so writing training programs, um, it seems, I know when I started doing it, it seemed like this really big daunting thing. And I'm curious, and I guess this is more validation for me, but what I learned very shortly into it is simplicity is far better than complexity when going with these things, because it's really hard to get people to keep up with things. Do you find that is true with like climbers and the clients that you have, or do you kind of have free range to kind of go wherever you want to go? Because, you know, I know, like I said, from my experience, it was easier for me to write something simple and I got a little nervous writing something more, much more complex. Yeah. It's funny
1: when you're, you're, you're exactly right. When you're starting to write training plans, it's hard to write something complex because Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's just easier to keep it simple (laughs) and it's nerve wracking to try to make something complex. And then you start believing, you know, more and you start trying to write something complex and and you get nervous to write something simple because you're supposed to be smart enough to write this complex thing. Yes. But then you pretty quickly realize that the complex thing doesn't work any better, sometimes works worse than the really simple thing. So I've stuck to pretty simple at this point. There are times, and if any of my clients are listening to this, I promise it's not you, that I have to trick people into thinking it's complex to be able to keep it simple because they really want it to look complex and feel complex. And they want like this really specific high powered thing. And I'm like, really what you need is just to try a little harder. So we're going to, we're going to make these really complex ways to get you to try harder.
0: So like, so for someone moving into this coaching world, so we've kind of introduced like, you know, kind of how you got there. And then the concept of writing lesson plans. Um, What, and you have a staff of coaches that you manage and work. Yep. Right. So what are the key kind of characteristics that you think a coach needs to have to work with? And I guess you're predominantly working with adults. So yeah. What is like the characteristics or one key kind of characteristic that a coach you find that is most beneficial or your most successful coaches have? I think... I'll start by saying
1: one thing I don't think is super important, um, at least not as important as a lot of people would like to place the importance on it, is having some formal education in in personal training. Um, if you want to do it, I think it's worth it and you should do it. But I think there's almost zero of that used in coaching climbers because no matter how complex we get, it ends up boiling down to the simple things that are holding us all back. So I think the thing that I look for in a coach is the ability to cut through all of that complexity Mm -hmm. and, and recognize the things that are actually at the root of what's holding you back. What's causing this plateau. It's probably not for most people that they're, that their pull-up isn't strong enough. Yeah. You know, that can be a small contributing factor to a lot of people, but, but we've got data on thousands of climbers and I've seen 514 climbers who can barely do a pull-up and I've seen 510 climbers who can do 40 pull-ups. So, so it doesn't really matter to have the, the super technical expertise. Mm -hmm. But you do have to be really good at looking at the whole picture and boiling that down to the the small
0: things that do matter. So, I, this is kind of maybe a question for, and I I'm, you probably answered this a million times before, but kind of jumping out of the perspective. So let's switch, take off the hat of the new coach trying to learn how to be a coach in mm-hmm. the perspective, and then flipping on the hat of you know just a climber listening to this. You know, with all that data, is there one thing that's reoccurring that kind of pops out that you would say that people need to just be aware of when they start to train? Like, is there one thing where people just kind of drop the ball the most?
1: There there's literally one thing that's that probably 90 percent of the people who've taken our assessment have in
0: common. Folks, I hope you are enjoying this conversation as much as I am reliving it. I just want to say this like really helps me to listen to this again since the very beginning of me being a coach. And I wanted to also talk about people who have been sponsoring me since the very beginning. Beyond Clothing. Take a moment. Go to beyondclothing.com. Use the promo code always ready to save yourself a little coin and support this podcast. And most importantly, gear yourself up for the adventures that you want to do. Next, check out our newest sponsors, Tension Climbing. My go-to piece of equipment that they have is the flashboard. You can take it to crags, you can warm up your fingers, you can get ready to rock and roll because we all know we need a little bit of extra help to get that prodge.
1: And that it's they all think they suck at something. I hear so often I did horribly at that and I'm like how do you know you don't have anything to compare it to like you don't have you don't have your results yet you just took the test and you think you failed you know why why is that and very consistently when when the results do come back and it'll show that you know this person is above the you know the the median for our finger strength tests or whatever but really low on their endurance. Okay. That person almost always thinks I need to work on my finger strength. My finger strength is holding me back. And in a lot of cases those people have already put the time in working on those things because they're so nervous about them that they've they've made them a strength already and they don't realize it and they're just going to keep hammering at that strength okay. until they can 't get anything else out of it um, so I would say our own our own preconceived notions of what it is that's holding us back are very often wrong, and I think that's the that's the thing most climbers need to pay attention to is really examine, go deeper, really try to figure out what it is don't just go to the gut you know the gut conclusion of. Oh, I I can't hold this hold, so it must be my finger strength that's holding me back, or I got pumped, so my endurance must be bad. Okay, because Jonathan Seagrass gets pumped, and you would never think that that got he has amazing pumped. endurance, you know. And Jimmy Webb just recently did lucid dreaming and said he had he couldn't do small crimp boulders, but then he goes and does maybe the hardest small crimp, boulder. crimp boulder out there. So, you know, I think we all have those preconceived ideas. And we just have to look deeper before we
0: start focusing on them. That's powerful. I think that's like, you know, and kind of flipping hats back here to the coaching hat. I know in my short time of coaching people, I find that like, that is definitely a big thing and people get hyper-focused on one thing. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, I know for myself, it's definitely either seeing something like that or people just aren't consistent. And so that's what I was very, I was very curious on that. You mean consistent in terms of like consistent with their workout, consistent with their yeah. plan. Like I think people get a little derailed and, you know, then they try to double down mm. on the program, which doesn't, That's just, it's not a thing. It's not a whopper. Like you can't do that.
1: Um, yeah. You know, what's inter- interesting about, consistency that I've noticed a little bit in the last few years and and I completely agree that just showing up you know punching the clock doing the thing is is a massive part of of getting better Mm -hmm. but that idea has been hammered into a lot of people now Mm -hmm. and I've seen this like this almost lackadaisical approach to consistency or um, they're like, yeah, I'm going to come in and punch the clock. But really, I'm just going to sit in the break room the whole time. You know, post your workout. Yeah. And then they just tap the button like, oh, yeah, I'm consistent. You know, mm-hmm. I I did this many workouts every week for the last 12 weeks, but they
0: really only tried hard and won. Yeah, that's funny. Consistency without intent is flow, is, is folly. Yeah. <laughs> like, I guess that would be the way to put it. Yeah, And I've definitely seen that before because I've definitely had to ask clients in the past. And they'll tell me like, yeah, I really did all the work. And I'm like, well, okay. I'm like, all right, let me, let me just see you do this bent arm press. And I'll watch them and I'm like, how many times have you done this? Like I've done it every day that you told me. And then when we actually sit down and talk, I find out that like, you know, they never, they can easily do it with a 35 pound kettlebell, but they've been doing it with like a 15 or 20. Right. The whole time. Yeah. And like, you know, they just kind of start crumbling under pressure or uh, like there's just no intent within their workout. Yeah, they're not engaged in that session. They're just there to check the box. Yeah, yeah. Because they've
1: heard consistency is the thing. Yeah. but Show up and do it. Doesn't always work. Yeah. I think it's a great message. It just, it gets polluted by a lot of people. And I, I feel like that happens often. You know, there are these great messages and people find ways around them. People find ways to sabotage themselves.
0: Yeah. So kind of continuing wearing the coaching hat here. Um, a question that I have for you is, I guess what, so you kind of told me like what characteristics you look for in coaching. Are there any other coaches out there that are doing much of like what you're doing or even me just like more in person on a regular basis that you think that are doing what they're doing very well and that people should look at as uh, kind of role models or just where to take tips and tricks from? Because ultimately like we're trying to get better at our job here so we can continue to coach for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. And not have to have a side job or something else to do it. And I know most coaches that I know outside of myself and a few other people, all of them have side jobs. All of them have something else that they do. And I think if they have the opportunity to see it, to make money or to do things, I think they would do it. But like outside of you, maybe one other person in the back of my head, but I want to hear what you have to say. But like outside of you, I, you know, unless you coach a youth team, it doesn't really seem like a feasible, doesn't seem like a feasible career path.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't think it was a feasible career path when I started. Yeah. It didn't seem that way to me. And at the time, there really weren't many people at all who weren't attached to a gym or to a youth team Mm -hmm. uh, who were making a living doing it. And and it's definitely grown, especially since uh, COVID happened. A lot more coaches have moved online, which I applaud and and I hope more do. Um, I think the people who are doing it really well, at least in my space, because that's what I see the most of, are, you know, like Lattice Training in the UK yep. does an amazing job. They're, you know, they're very... Data-driven, but then if you look beneath the data, they're all, they're all great climbers. They all take a really practical, wide lensed approach to your climbing. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, like we may look as if our big focus is on movement and tactics and approach. They look like their, their main focus is data, but in reality, they also pay a lot of attention to movement and tactics and approach. And we also pay a lot of attention to data. Um, we've just taken a different path to get to the same place, basically. I think they do a great job. Um, you know, obviously, climb strong also in Lander, Wyoming, mm-hmm. Steve Bechtel and his team do a great job of putting good information out there. And, and they work with people in person in Lander. Um, I don't do a lot of in-person work. Especially now, you know, yeah, when, we're, when Nate and I travel, we do a lot of in-person work and we get to work with a lot of coaches at gyms who, who are doing a really good job of working with clients. And, you know, there, there are a bunch of coaches like uh, Pete Woods in Canada and um, my friend Taylor in Montana, who um, she has a business called Holistic Climber who are moving into this space of working with adults. And one thing I think that was really tough for us in the beginning, that's becoming easier, maybe partly because of our podcast and, and what, you know, the information we've put out there through all of our workshops is that it's not all just about the data. It's not all about how much you can hang or how much you can deadlift. Mm -hmm. It's, there's also a lot you can do to get better at movement, to get better at your approach, to get better at tactics, at your mindset, all those things. So as that becomes more you know, more digestible for the general climbing public, i see more and more coaches taking advantage of that and and doing really good work. So there's a lot out there. It's yeah. the the space is is really growing. You know, and uh, my friend Lauren, who writes for our blog, does good spray coaching and she does a great job. She's young and excited and, and there's a lot of that in this right now, which, which gets me excited, frankly. Yeah. That's awesome. So I, I risk becoming an old codger if I don't have excitable
0: people. Around. <laughs> you know, I <laughs> think there's a lot to be s- said though, for like, you're eventually working yourself out of the job Because maybe, you know, I I don't know. I've always looked at it as a cool thing because at that point, if you're working yourself out of the job, that means your net worth or your social network. And then everything that you've been doing has been built so well, you should be able to springboard or catapult onto something that you (laughs) just like, it just wasn't even in your radar.
1: And that's been what this company is. You know, I, I just keep, finding new directions I would love to go and new things I want to build and create. And so having more coaches coming in, you know, our, we have, we have a wait list that my office manager keeps literally every time we sit down to work together. She says, I need to close the wait list. And I'm like, why just let it stay open. Let it grow to however big. And she's like, there are over hundred people on the wait list.
0: Yeah, it's not okay. I'm like, (laughs) yeah,
1: and I haven't really taken a new client in two years, so the wait list is going to be that size for a long time. So, you know, I'm glad there are other coaches out there that I can say, hey, you should go check this person out. You should go check this person out because we just don't have the capacity to work one-on-one with people at that level, you know. Um, It just takes, it's an impossible scaling feet.
0: Like it just can't be done. It takes a massive amount of time. I learned a lot after doing the uh, performance coaches clinic uh, with you and it was in Maryland, I believe. Columbia, Maryland. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest things that I took away from that, that helped me in my coaching is my onboarding process of, uh, and I think Steve brought this point up. He's like, you know, you know, your park, you or your onboarding process. And Mm -hmm. even my customers to this day, they're like, you have like one of the more longer and intricate, like forms for becoming for like for you to coach me. I was like, I just need to know as much as humanly possible. And I think that is something that I really took away. That was like super, super, super important. And then also um, getting a better understanding of nutrition from Neely was huge. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's it. So from doing those events, Has there been a, I guess a reoccurring theme that you've noticed that coaches like myself who, you know, I don't think I'm like new, new in the game, but I'm still haven't been around as far as doing, um, adult remote programming or programming like that for maybe for the last five years. Yeah. Um, so for people in my situation or maybe shorter, maybe even a little longer, Is there a consistent hurdle that you see the industry professionals, so, you know, not the end user, but us, or new people coming up, is there a consistent thing that you see that trips them up? And, um, yeah, let's just start there. Is there something that you see or hear of consistently that, like, really kind of gets in people's way? I think. And this is sort of
1: just a, you know, not, it's not specific to the climbing coaching world. It's more business related, but I mean, this is a business, so Mm -hmm. you have to treat it as such. And the thing I would say that I think is going to lead the fastest to failure is trying to build your business to look like someone else's. Oh uh, yeah. You know, find some there's a lot of room for different approaches and different coaching styles and um find what you are psyched about and and what what shows your personality and and what you believe and what your mission is and and do that thing instead of saying, oh Lattice, you know, pays a ton of attention to data, so I need to do that too. Or saying Power Company pays a ton of attention to movement stuff, so I need to do that too. You don't actually, you know. It can be a small part of what you do, but you should do it how you want to do it and how you think you should build it. And offer the things that you think you should offer instead of what someone else thinks they should offer Um, people are going to be attracted to all of that. You know, I I use the example of like Bobby Knight. He was a basketball coach at Indiana uh, who became very famous for, for like hitting players and throwing chairs. And, you know, he was just this very, very mean coach, but people went to Indiana to be coached by Bobby Knight. You know, he he is not the gold standard for what a good coach should be, No. but there was room for his style. Some people learn from that style. Some people need a coach who's in their face, you know, and who's going to throw a chair at them occasionally. So there's, you know, there's room for that. I'm not saying any of you out there should become, Climbing coaches who throw chairs, but no, don't that chalk balls, maybe chairs. No, but stick to your style. You know, figure I, out your way.
0: I think that's very hard for people because they immediately, and I know I did this for a long time. I immediately assumed that my style only works for me, right. and sure, I think it's hard to do that when you are mm-hmm. coming up in this scene. And like you know, like we mentioned, we kind of touched us on this in another podcast, but like when you're a team kid you have this huge repertoire of knowledge just to kind of work off of. And I think just for someone who's not that person, it's, it's really intimidating. And you're just, you assume that like, well, you know, my style only really works for me. And like, you know, I really haven't even sent my goal of like, you know, 514, 513, whatever it is, you know, V10. Um, You know, I haven't reached that goal, but people are still asking me to coach them. People are still asking me to train them. And I know, like, and I say this, like, because I struggled with this a lot for a very, 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 very long time. I was just like, ultimately, you know, we talk about, you know, the storied team of Team Texas. I'm like, I just, I can't compete with those coaches. I can't compete with that them in any way, shape, or form. I don't know much. Is I don't know enough. I don't know this. And it's just like you know. And I know comparison is the death of inspiration, but I think it's a hard thing for people to rattle with when you feel like you're kind of just kind of like walking around figuring this out on your own. Mm-hmm. And it's reassuring to know that like, that's kind of actually kind of how it works. Yeah.
1: My, my good friend may rats um, who I eventually hope to have on my podcast and I've had her mom on actually uh, Lantian Chu. She is a, a swim coach in Lander, Wyoming who is part of a program that's won like 23 straight you, state championships. I think I heard this podcast before you talked about how the kids meet up and they're just, she's just an amazing coach. Yeah. If if you're, if you want to be a coach, if you're listening to this episode and you want to be a coach, you should definitely listen to that episode. She's, okay. she's one of my biggest coaching role models um, and human role models in general. Um, May has this saying uh, this phrase that she uses all the time, nervous means do it. And, and I think that applies to so many situations and may and I have had these conversations many, many times over the years that if you're, if you're not feeling a little bit of that imposter syndrome, if mm-hmm. you're, if you don't think maybe, maybe there's something I don't know yet that would make me better then then you've already lost. You've stopped learning you know, and that person out there who's saying, Oh no, I got this. Like, I don't need to know anything else. I'm the best coach there is on the planet. That per- that person's going to get passed by
0: pretty soon. That's so funny. You say that because that's like such in the entrepreneurial world that I have learned. So I've had the opportunity to kind of like run, help run or start up a few nonprofits and I own my own guiding company and all this other stuff. I'll never forget that I gave someone some advice one time cause they were trying to run their own event. I'm like, if you feel like everything's a shit show, but everything is still running in the direction that you want, yeah. it means you're doing it right. Yeah. I've had some strong pushback with some other people with that. And I'm like, the, the response I've given to people, I'm like, if you are used to operating in a structure that has like really rigid and has a lot of rules, like a corporate structure or corporate policy, that seems like a completely terrifying thing, but only in chaos is where inspiration happens in what we perceive to be chaos is actually controlled. And I think Mm -hmm. in most large events or big things that I have learned, and I think the same thing goes for business. And I think the same thing goes for uh, anybody trying to do anything that's important to them, especially if it involves other people. Yeah, Uh, And it's really interesting to hear you say that that's May's May, correct? May. Yeah. May 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 saying, you know, nervous means Go. Nervous means do it. Nervous means do it. <clears throat> yeah. And so I think that's it's funny that how that crosses over. I just would have never thought the same thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love it. You know, and you just pop something else into my head, I'll say, if you're if you're trying to start a business in this space, is when you're able to, when you're when your business is doing well enough that you're able to start building a team around you who mm-hmm. will who will challenge you, but who also really believe in you, you know, and that you believe in my office manager who I battle with constantly. Every damn day we sit across from each other and go to war. And, but I know that she has my best interest in mind and, and she's going to challenge me every single day, you know, and, it's my job to be the way I am and her job to be the way she is. And you know, just this week, I, I wrote the biggest check my business has written because we've been working on these products and, and it's coming time to pay for the products and ordering all these things with this massive minimum order number is daunting, so I'm like sending her messages like don't spend any money this week you know, or <laughs> next week or the week after that, maybe don't spend any money in 2020. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then she texts me today and she's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm paying these people today and oh I'm going to buy this and I'm like, God <laughs> damn it. What the hell? But she's just like, we're fine. We'll be fine. Oh, that's awesome. You're
0: just stressing because it's a big number. You know? It is. I can <laughs> understand that. It's funny you say that because Uh, when we were talking about uh coaching, that's actually one point that I don't think I brought up. My team that I have for my coaching staff that I work with, like Amanda is amazing and people at work all the time say, like you guys sound like an angry married couple that like fights. And sometimes you guys literally have to walk outside of the gym to have conversations with each other. Amanda is from New York, Mm -hmm. me being from the East Coast. We both vibe, so yeah, real straight from the hip. I had to tell another employee i was like i have such an open relationship but she has permission to hurt my feelings Mm -hmm. and i will tell you right now we've definitely had some very heated conversations going back and forth it's definitely been one of those things that i realized with her you know nicole mary um jonathan trent all these coaches that i've had come underneath me the core team has always even been me, her, and two other coaches. But you have to have that team working back and forth because you have to have someone Mm -hmm. who's looking out for you. And I think that's something that's definitely, when you get to a certain point in whatever you're doing, if you haven't done that, then that's where it all falls apart. Yeah,
1: yeah, and you know, this might seem like a contradiction to that, though I don't think it actually is. I think you also have to continue believing in the thing that got you there to, to begin with, you know, if you've you've gotten to the point where you can start to assemble and build a team and like, for instance, what I do is I, I love creating things, making things. I, I love ideas. And when I have an idea, I'll sort of very loosely sketch it out. And then I put it onto the team Slack channel and I'm like, what do you guys think of this? And sometimes people will be like, uh, that's really dumb. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> and there are times when people are like, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't think that's a good idea, but I'm like, this is a good idea. I think this is a good idea. And I have to, f- I have to follow that. You know, I have to see it through because I still do believe in me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also appreciate and value their input, but ultimately I have to believe in me too. So.
0: Yeah. I think that's hard, especially, I mean, you know, and it's nice to know that like you, someone with your wealth of knowledge and experience still kind of has runs, has those thoughts run through the echo chamber. Devin and I talked about this, like there are moments where, you we've definitely walked into a situation with like new clients and definitely thinking about like five, six years ago, like, you know, you're like, I want to do this thing with this client. I have this plan. And then, you know, (sighs) You do what you think is a self-assessment on them and you're like, okay, I got it, th- I got it down. And then your first day of lessons, like they either they either tank everything and everything is just like seems way too hard or they destroy all your ideas. Right. And you're just like, oh, damn it. And you know, the worst part about it is, and I think I I know for me this is true, is like I sit there and I'm like, well, God, oh well, now I'm an idiot. Now I have like I have no credibility. And you know, over the years, I've definitely learn like some key phrases. I say this with my kids today. I'm like, I always give it a little clap. I'm like, we're going to do some theoretical boulders today. <laughs> theoretical <laughs> I boulders. like that term. And they're just like, what does this mean? And I'm like, it might be hard. might be easy. It might seem super dumb or it might be really cool. But you know something, I need to be a mad scientist today and I need you guys to be my experiment. And so like, can I, can I get permission to be real theoretical to, with you today? And they're like, yeah, great. You know, and, yeah, I I will say, you know, they don't know this. And if you guys are listening to this, you'll never know when it is. But I will definitely say, you know, 60% of the time it bombs. And like that 40% of the time is so I learned so much. And that little bit of the time, like that little bit that I learn, I'm able to build and add on to what I'm doing as far as a lesson plan. But yep. Like a lot of times it doesn't work and it's like, I feel really embarrassed to say that kind of just putting stuff out there and it's so different. And for kids it's easier for me because you know I've watched them climb for the last three years. So I'm like, I'm very, very in tune with what their body awareness or their, their copial perception. With adults, it's so hard because I think adults are always looking at this as like a letter grade. They're like i'm trying to get an a plus
1: yeah and they want they're trying to buy the thing from you like it just uh, doesn't give me the work win. that way let me buy the win you know <sighs> and something i tell coaches a lot is it doesn't have to happen today yeah so generally speaking we go in and you know you're you're in one of two situations when you're when you're coaching a client either You know the answer, and you're Mm -hmm. trying to lead them into that answer, which is the easier of the two situations, or you don't know the answer yet, and it's your job to then explore with the client and find the answer. And that's a scary place to be because, as the coach, we're supposed to know the answer. Like Mm -hmm. we're supposed to be able to hand them the thing, but it, it just doesn't work that way, you know? And you can look at the best. The best, most, you know, legendary teams and athletes in the universe and none of their coaches were better than them. No. You know, Phil Knight was not a <laughs> better basketball player than the people he coached, you know. Um, no. Uh, the the guy who coached uh, Muhammad Ali and Sugar Ray Leonard never boxed around in his life.
0: I never knew that
1: but he's one of the the greatest coaches in history. You know, great coaches don't need to be great athletes. Being a great athlete isn't what makes you a great coach. So you may not know the answer, but you might be able to figure out the path to get to the answer Mm -hmm. in a better way. And I think that's what makes a great coach, even though it is really scary to be in that moment. You know, I, I very distinctly remember the first time I did an in-person session with somebody who bouldered way harder than me, but we're like, I need you to tell me why I'm at a, why I'm at a V13 plateau. you know, And I'm yeah. like, okay, let's, yeah. let's see if we can. And, and, you know, if you've spent enough time getting in that uncomfortable space of, I don't know the answer, let's, let's try and figure it out together. Then it becomes much easier to find the answer. Yeah, And if you go home that day and, and you don't get the answer, so what? If we, if we all got the answers in, 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 you know, in that systematic way, like you pay a dollar and you get the answer, then we'd all be experts overnight and nothing works that way. No, no,
0: that's real powerful. And that's actually real good to hear. Cause I definitely think that is, I've definitely had that struggle before, like coaching someone who climbs way harder and way stronger than me. And I think I've been very lucky to be in a situation where it's like, these people have been gracious and kind with me, but they are, as you said, like, I need you to tell me this. And I think they're the people that I've worked with. And I think this probably maybe goes across the board. You can tell me if it's not, but I think they also know that going into it. And so they understand that like, this is you kind of figuring out what's going on. Yeah, It's not, it's not like, you know, as you said, you have X, you need Y. It's like, no, I, I kind of like, we're going to get under the hood here for a little while. And this is a process. Yeah. And I think telling people coaches and athletes understanding like this is a process and that's how it work for me relieves a lot of weight off my shoulders and actually physically makes me feel better.
1: When the, you know, the athlete is under a lot of weight there too. They're like trying to figure out this thing that they care intensely about. They're, they're trying to continue improving at it and, So they're in this weird emotional space too, you know, and the, the sooner everybody is upfront about, I don't really, I don't really know the answer. Let's, let's try some things. Let's explore some things. Maybe we'll come across something. I think the easier it is for everybody. Um, have you ever seen the documentary I am bolt? No, but I've heard of this about Usain Bolt and the the entire documentary is like, or at least half the documentary is him talking into the camera, recording himself, like discussing his feelings about what's going on, like about after a meet where he didn't perform as well as he thought he should have, or he's injured and he can't run and here's how he's feeling. And he's like, rolling around a hotel room on one of those little like hover things i don't even know what they're called oh yeah little one wheel things these are the little like two wheeled ones oh, that you hover stand boards. on yeah the ones that catch fire <laughs> i don't even know that but he's rolling around his hotel room talking into the camera you know and every time you see him being coached his coach is this little old man who doesn't know a single thing about lifting weights or You know, any kind of running science, the, the whole time, every, every time you watch them training together, the coach is just like more rhythm, more rhythm, you know, and somehow they've created the best runner, best sprinter ever to lace up track shoes. So
0: (laughs) it's amazing. All right. (laughs) Homework
1: to do. I will be watching that. It's amazing. I've seen it three or four times now. Oh, nice.
0: Nice. Well, I want to go ahead and uh, close us up here, but um, I first want to thank you for two reasons. One, being here, you're an awesome yeah. human being, and happy to be here. I've I've had a chance to cross paths with you for a long time, and um, I just talking to you in this weekend has made me. It has been a very, uh, I guess sobering slash like a moment kind of like in like i, I don't want to use solidarity out of t- context here but it's made me realize that like i'm kind of i'm on the right trajectory and i'm moving in the right direction and it's nice to hear from someone who i revere and look at you as like i said the dr dre of everything <laughs> that has to do <laughs> dr with dre's
1: fit now so
0: i'm into I, it i mean yeah i was about to say dude <laughs> whoa, I, my money's on you between an arm wrestling Jay, contest been and, lifting you and him. A lot lately so yeah so that's <laughs> like super important to me and um you know so thank you for that uh and then also you know guys if you're listening to this if you have not listened to the powerpoint company podcast especially lately um if this whole thing with blm black and brown lives matters to you, you need to go and listen to the, some of the conversations that are on his show. Like it's and the things that are coming out are going to matter. And I understand like he talks about climbing. I talk about climbing and adventuring, but at the same time, this is something we're all trying to do together. And if none of us can communicate, then we're going to stop doing this thing together. And the point of us getting together is communicating. So yeah, I'm really happy you're here and thank you for being here.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. And I'm yeah. happy that I can be a, Small part of your trajectory.
0: Uh, where can people find you?
1: Uh, EasyPowerCompanyClimbing dot We're at uh, Power Company Climbing on the Facebook and the Instagrams, and we don't tweet. We scream like eagles. I'm definitely, a, I'm definitely stealing <laughs> that little thing and putting it at the end.
0: <laughs> uh, oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Hey folks, I hope you enjoyed this episode. As much as I did, listen to it again. Chris, thank you so much for being my guest on Sends and Suffers podcast. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to know anything about rock climbing, go back. The man has well over a hundred episodes. Dalen Faulkner, Brian Anthony's some of my favorite past episodes. But go back and travel in time. You will learn so much and you will build into your climbing. So make sure you check out powercompany.com. And if you haven't already become a member of the sticker club, Please join MarioStanley.com, sendsandsuffers.com. Let me love on you. All right, guys, get out there and happy sending. And remember, if you're not suffering, you're not sending at all.